Perspective. Today on The Right Perspective, we are going to recap and discuss the fifth season of the show, The Wire, premiered in 2008. The, this season premiered in 2008. And this is the HBO show that follows organized criminal activity in Baltimore. And at the end of our recap of the season, we will take a vote to determine if it was worth all the buzz that it received using voting symbols that we come up with based on the show. But before we come up with the voting symbols, let's introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Aubrey, and I'm the oldest. Hi, I'm Janaya Wright. I'm the middle. <laughs> Hi, I am Brittany Wright, and I am the youngest. And so today, on The Right Perspective, uh, we will rate The Wire Season 5 by giving one, two, or three. I couldn't even think of something. <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers. I'm that's, That's good. good. Newspapers. That's good. Newspapers. Had you did you come up with something else, bro? No. No, I hadn't. I hadn't thought. I, I figured we would come up with something organically, and I think newspapers is good. I think that. But like perfect. the, the only the only good. one I knew was season four. I knew season four had to be a ring. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, I had I come up with something horrible <laughs> that we can eat. <laughs> My ideas weren't good. My ideas were like vicious cycles. Like I was coming up with <laughs> But one thing about all of your like ideas. Like unf unfulfilled promises. All of your ideas <laughs> are always really good to you. And that's the thing that you got to think. That's about. what's important. That's what's important. Because to really you, your ideas are always you impeccable. Right. You, you right. I am consistently brilliant to me. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> as long as you two in your own horn. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Hello. Who cares? Who cares if anybody else is listening? All right. We're getting, you know what? We're getting sidetracked already. What, what is going on? We're... Listen. And you know what? I'm so proud of us in advance. I'm proud I'm of us too. I'm going to manifest our super great time management in this podcast as we recap <laughs> season five. And I, so as usual, we're going to start out with a, uh, a quick <laughs> overview of the season. For those who might not have seen the show, we'll give you enough of an overview so you can get the gist. And then we'll just hop right into the discussion. So season five of The Wire, it actually starts 15 months um, after the end of season four. And so we have a new mayor that's been in place and we get to see the state of the city operations under his leadership. And because he actually declined money from the governor because he wants to run for governor, the city is actually in really bad shape financially. The police budget has been slashed so that the schools can get some funding. And it's just these awful tr trade-offs from a budget perspective. And because their budget has been slashed, the police department doesn't have enough resources to continue the work on the big Stanfield drug organization case that they had kicked off last season. And so you'll recall that the police last season had uncovered 22 bodies in Bacon houses, and they were doing the work to link them to the Stanfield organization. And all of that work now is, su is supremely under-resourced and basically put on hold. And McNulty, our core police officer character that's been a, a through line for all seasons, he's so angered by this that he comes up with this elaborate plan to divert resources back to the police department by creating what? A serial killer. How does he do this? Is he killing people? He's not. 
he's faking evidence, he's adjusting crime scenes, and he now has the whole city, the whole police department, everybody thinking that there's some serial killer <laughs> killing the homeless people in Baltimore. And listen, for good or bad, his plan works. The police department does get funding to find the serial killer by taking money, frankly, from the schools. The politicians divert money from the schools and McNulty is able to help his colleagues on the police force get other police work done by billing it to this fake serial killer case. All the while, he is also faking out the local news. And we know that on The Wire, we get a chance each season to do a deep dive on another aspect of the city infrastructure. And this season, it was, it was, it was local news. It was the media. And so we got to spend a lot of time with the local newspaper and we see that they are also facing budget cuts and they're also looking for ways to survive and stay relevant and do the work they feel is important. And we begin to see all of the themes from the last few seasons of the show, they start to pop up again. Decisions that should be about the city become about individual power struggles. We get to see struggles for relevance, struggles for power, struggles where it's like good work that's being done ends up being clouded by poor work that's being done. And on the same hand, Poor work that's being done gets clouded by good work that's being done. We saw it in the police department. We saw it at the docks. We saw it in the schools. We certainly saw it in politics. And now we're seeing it at the local paper. You know, Did you say then, police? Oh, definitely mm -hmm. with the police department. 100%. You know, and there's, a, there's another element that the, the show doesn't deal with uh, completely, but it's, it comes up in every single season. And that's in the, the, um, the general justice system, right? The lawyers, you know, the lawyers, again, it's just, it's just, it's just, there's good and there's bad. Um, and the media, we do see them Sad. grapple. They grapple with it though. They grapple with some of the problematic behaviors of people, but ultimately nothing really changes. Ultimately, McNulty, he partially achieves his goal. They're able to stop the Stanfield organization per se, but the drug game in the city, it just shifts. And new leadership comes in, new structures, slightly new structures, and it just continues. You know, when the higher ups at the police department find out uh, what has happened, this fake serial killer and all this, they basically push lots of the details under the rug for political reasons. You know, and some of the political and police leadership figures change, but overall, again, nothing really changes. Mm. And, you know, again, it's like the lawyers and the overall justice system, they're showing up over and over again. Some people and issues that come up are addressed, but at the same time, we're watching new ones be created. And in the end, nothing changes. And in the show, even when you get to see change on an individual level, if you see a character ha like find redemption, you know, like a specific person changing their behaviors, you're able to see somewhere in the larger scheme of things, someone else change in a bad way. And it just offsets. Yeah. One example, yeah. we got to see Bubbles, a character that we've known for the mm. entire uh, length of oh, the show, folks. a drug addict. He has recovered and we are so proud of him. And at the same time, we see a young man that was bright and full of potential when we first met him become a drug mm -hmm. addict. And that's why, you know, the season I think closed, with, um, not just wrapping this season, but wrapping the show um, as, a, as a series finale to kind of say, you know what? 
um, we're ending where we started. And that is the truth of, 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 that, of, is of the truth. that is the truth, you know? So that's the recap. Wow. That was that real was good. A, that was a super really good. Recap. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Very good. Can I Very good. start by saying that you, my sisters, are killing the Aryan game right now? Oh, bro. <laughs> you know, you're killing the Aryan game. I, thank you, I just, bro. I just I, it would be remiss if I didn't say it. Oh, thank you, bro. Ah, ah. The Aryan game just walked in and died right there. <laughs> again <laughs> <laughs> i thank you <laughs> before we even got into the show i wanted to tell you that thank you, and i'm going to use that to go ahead and start kick us off because i just had to look up this dude because i wanted to use his name i think i hated him so much <laughs> that his name keeps getting expunged for my brain. Uh-oh. But that that reporter, uh Scott Templeton, the um the uh the one who was get, doing all that fake reporting, he is just fake news. Oh, he is just the worst. Oh, but 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 oh, I, I just hate him. But I feel like he represented the uh, and I, I want to make sure I said his name right, but uh, if you know, if you could double yeah, check that, that for me, double yeah. check that for me. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, because uh, the name is cut off on this thing I'm looking at. But I feel like he was the epitome of what's going on with the media, not just then, but now. Mm-hmm. Because see, now we see this thing, you know, with the media come to its full fruition in a lot of ways. Well, not the full, but it's a lot worse even than it was. And you had it right, the, bro. Scott Templeton. Scott Templeton. Okay. I, I just want to make, but like, if you notice, he started pursuing the attention more than the news. Yep. And now that's all the news. Like people are just, it, the, the truth is just, just like um, the one guy I was talking about, he was like, it starts with truth. Like there's a little nugget of truth at the center and then you just keep spinning it out of control and so that people will want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they did a great job of showing this in general, but that dude represents to me all that is bad when it comes to media. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally was just going out, just literally making stuff up. He really was. And, you know, and it's so funny, bro. I I think he was a bad guy. I think that another, like, if I, but if I were to, to, to think about who, for me, in this show was really representing what was the most wrong, what at its core is wrong with media today, I would say it was the, the, the most senior person in the in the in the newsroom i don't know what his title was they didn't say his title mm. but he was clearly over the uh local editor and the state editor and he was the most the, the most senior guy because he was the one that was stifling truth he was the one that was stifling hard topics he was the one that was driving get a pulitzer to sensationalize things 
And he was also the one that was saying, oh, I'm friends with that person. Let's not muck them up in a story. Mm. Um, and so what I think about what is really wrong, what's wrong is that we kind of think of the news as a public service, but they're not. Mm -hmm. They're a business. At the end of the day, we have some public broadcasting outlets and public news outlets, but for the most part, and even those have an angle that because you, you're, we all have angles, you know, you can't get around that. So, but they don't exist just to inform. And so that I felt like that guy was the best embodiment of, I'm not just here to make sure people get the information. We, I have an agenda, I have an angle, and this is what it is and I'm driving us in that direction. Mm. I just think about the number of lies that were circulating amongst everyone. Oh, it was, it was, it was, was so on. frustrating it to was. just watch it. A lot, a lot of blatant lies. A lot of blatant lies. Big and, time. And to watch those who were trying to stand for truth mm. um, get thwarted mm. at every turn, mm. that was super frustrating. Mm. So the man that was over the guy that lied, I cannot remember his name right now. Gus. Um, he, Gus. Gus was, was calling it out. Mm -hmm. Gus without, Gus even got his proof before saying anything. He already had a hunch. He already had a feeling that something was going on and he could prove it a little, but he even got more proof to have, to, to put that out there and say, you all want us to put this out there in our paper, this Improper information, these things that are not, these blatant lies, and you are not even going to do or say anything. We're just going to let it happen. And so it was really frustrating to see him. It's frustrating when you see someone trying to err on the side of right. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like right doesn't, doesn't get things done. Mm. Um, even when it comes to, and you guys know, Bunk is not my favorite person, but even watching Bunk go, McNulty, you've gone too far. Mm -hmm. You're making up a serial killer. You're tampering with evidence from old cases. You've gone too far for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want any parts of this. Mm -hmm. But then to also see someone like Alester, who you love, full of integrity, get in on the shenanigans of what McNulty had going on to bring down Marlo. Mm -hmm. It's almost one of those things where it's like, I get it, but you guys, when you start having this lie, what can it do? How can it unspiral? But it was also funny how it started to backfire <laughs> when right. there were calls from this fake homeless serial killer. Right. It's and, like, and, 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 and all the while, all well, that, the while. That, that wasn't a backfire. That actually helped him. That helped him a lot. Well, it backfired for the, for Scott for, Templeton. Exactly. <laughs> it That's backfired. Where, <laughs> and, and the people. Well, at first it backfired for McNulty. No, because it didn't know that that telephone call that Scott Templeton made up it backfired for McNulty because now McNulty had to further his story. And because he was shocked. He said, he did? He called? 
And no, then no. it was like, okay, let me continue to build off of this. No, and then from there, McNulty used it. And no. then, so then it went into his advantage the way that he used it. McNulty was ready for that to die. He didn't want it to get to the level of where it went. That was not his, his goal to do what happened. This homeless person, this homeless killer was never going to have a voice. He was never going to be anything actualized. So then you have to cover up tracks because now someone has created something. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that they were at that point where Scott Templeton made the fake or he reported the fake phone call. McNulty and Lester were trying to figure out how to get a wiretap. So they mm -hmm. needed to figure out a way to make a phone call. And so when you watch the show, it was a gift to McNulty that Scott Templeton brought that up at that exact moment because he even said it afterwards. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lester, this is the wire right here. They're giving us the wire right here. So like right from the beginning, when when it was like a gift, it wasn't it wasn't a setback. It was it ended up being a setback. No, I, I I would still agree that it was a setback, but I also see how it could be a step forward as well. But I absolutely because it it got to a place that McNulty did not picture for it to get to, even though he wanted. I think this is just a classic case of something you wanted to you want to create the narrative and control the narrative. But when you are creating such a fabricated large lie, there's no way for you to be able to now control the narrative. Mm -hmm. There's no way. So where yep. at the end, there were honestly two that were murdered, two homeless people that were murdered because and of a copycat off of a fake serial killer you created. You have no control. I'm so happy you said that, sis, because, you know, it actually reminds me of there was a line that Carver said in season four. And it was, you know, we're, we're, we're at the halfway point in the season. And so at this point, so much shenanigans has played out just in terms of so much the drug dealers, the police officers, the politicians and people at the newspaper. Everyone is being impacted by lies and, you know, propaganda and angling and ego. And um, we have watched Carver start to mature over seasons. Um, and in, in this one, we see him, I think, at his most mature. And there's a point where he's talking with Herc. Um, Herc, who's no longer a police officer, has moved on or been forced to move on because he was the absolute worst. Um, and he, sa he says to Herc, he's like, you know, um, I know we used to think that the, 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 that the things we were doing as police officers didn't matter. But it does. It all matters, you know. And so it was an acknowledgement that every little thing you put into the system, it matters. And so when you do something small that is, is, is selfish and doesn't work toward the larger good, it doesn't matter, you know, how small it is. There's always an impact. You know, and so everything you're talking about, sis, is, you know, this, this, and, and it was so funny as I was just hearing the two of you talk because it's like, you know what, everything that's good can also be bad. And it just depends on like what seat you're sitting in, you know, and, and what your angle is and the end that you want. And that's what you see play out again in this show again and again. And I actually have a question for y'all. You know, I would love to get your perspective. Brittany, you started to, to talk about it. 
to talk to hear from you all about this relationship between Bunk and McNulty. So, you know, for those who haven't seen the show, Bunk and McNulty, they're not only partners, police partners, but for each of them, they're they're pretty much what you and I would call best friends. I mean, they're really very close. They have that kind of unconditional, whatever you say, I'm going to back you up kind of relationship. And when McNulty um, goes and does this thing of creating the serial killer, even though he in his mind has the best of intentions to try to get resources to the police department, Bunk is like, whoa, I know we have a low moral code, but you, you bro, you have just violated it. And I just loved it. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, um, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the state of their relationship and the way that it's evolved, how we saw it start and how we saw it end by the end of the show? Well, um, one thing that uh, the the Wire does better than to me any other TV show out there is capture reality, and I feel like, mm. excuse me, the um, the relationship between Bunk and McNulty was one of the most realistic relationships depicted on television, and it's because through the seasons they evolved from, you know, they were on the same page and they were both on a little while, you know, they were both do similar things in terms of infidelity and drinking and, um, and, and stuff like that. And when McNulty in season uh, four, when he pulled away from that, um, Bunk was always trying to pull him back. You know, like like Bunk was always saying, you know, you know, get a drink or you know, you drink yeah. like you know, you're you're not drinking like you know the the, the terminologies they use to basically say that you're not drinking how you're supposed to drink, you know. Right. And um the crazy thing about it is once he pulled him back, which I'm not I'm not saying he was a big part, but he definitely was part of that. Um the, the allure of yeah, like the allure of getting coming back. back to uh you know this reckless type of lifestyle basically yep. and then what was interesting is because this is how it really happened because people never see their own stuff and so once he pulls them back then into the reckless lifestyle then he wants to act like mcnulty's tripping it's like well you weren't congratulating him when he you know, uh, 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 was was on the straight and narrow. You kept trying to pull him to to these ways, and now you've spiraled it out of control. So, um, my answer is that I love that dynamic between them because it's very real. You have two people who are good at what they do, and that's how you know they're connected. But be, because of how they are, they can't see their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they project it all to each other. And it's just interesting to see because all of us can either, we've either been in relationships or we observe relationships that have that exact same dynamic. Absolutely. Back and forth. So I, Absolutely. that's one of my favorite parts of the season in particular, just seeing the intricacies of that relationship and how it worked out. Mm -hmm. What do you think, really Seth? Well, I, I agree with Aubrey. You know, I don't, really want to add, you know, for fear of being redundant with everything that he said. But what I will say is that I do think about one thing is that 
spiraling out of control, which is literally mm. another a theme just for this season. Things that you are not looking to happen, they get out of control. They're, you're, not, you're not looking for this to be the end result. Bunk thought he was getting his, drunk, his drinking buddy back and to be out in these streets with different women. <laughs> But now, no, what you've gotten is someone who is a crazy person who does at some point uh, liken himself to God. And he does um, become someone where even in that, where he's giving these hours to different people so they can still work on his cases. Oh, it's all working out for everybody. To where at some point, even in that, he gets blackmailed. Mm -hmm. So even in himself, he's seeing like, okay, maybe some things are out of, as much as I think that I'm in control, I am not. Mm -hmm. I am not. And this thing has gotten firm so much further um, away from me than I would have ever expected. Sis, sis, with that language, you also just summed up the experience of Daniel's. As you're talking about like the spiral, things just like working so hard to have control, realizing you have none. Um, so with Daniels this season, you know, Daniels is a character that I think I'll I'll speak for myself. I feel like I have loved, like there was at the beginning, I didn't know what to do, how to feel about him, you know, but over time I came to really trust and appreciate his consistency. You know, I feel like he was consistently trying to follow the rules and consistently trying to make his team be successful. I feel like those were always his two his two the two things he was fighting for and we got to see that again you know and as he's doing those two things because he's in cahoots with people below him above him to the left and to the right that are up to no good he ends up being complicit in things and then even advocating for things that are like not exactly following the rules but maybe it's getting the work done um but it was just you mean like, you mean you mean this season or this or season previous, this well season. in general in general in general I, okay i got you i got you but definitely this season you know what, we what, actually what did, what, what did he like what are you referring to this season i'm just so this season, this season, because last season we saw him, I don't want to say he's in cahoots with Car Ketty, but he definitely had a moment with Car Ketty where they kind of, Car Ketty guaranteed him that things were going to be turning around the police department. And so in hearing that from Car Ketty, you know, uh, Daniels took his word. And so in that way, he basically said, I'm going to support you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be at odds with you. I'm, I'm, I want to be your partner from, from my vantage point in the police force. And we saw that partnership become something that worked against him in this season. As mm-hmm. all he was trying to do was to be the party man. That's all he wanted to do was to just follow the rules advocate for you know the right thing but he ended up getting and and in this case it was so complex because in some ways he got pulled down because he ended up advocating for things like his team has now broken the rules in some ways and in some ways he was fine with it but in other ways he benefited from it because he ended up having this positive trajectory professionally and again it, it, it wasn't up to him. While he is a person that we've identified as a, as a climber professionally, he's definitely not a person who wanted to stay in the same role mm-hmm. forever. He also didn't want to progress this way. 
but guess what? He did. You know, so it's just that spiral of like things just being out of his control as much as he was trying to stay in the driver's seat for his situation. What did you think of Daniels, bro? Um, I, uh, I felt that this season he was definitely see you you said one thing that that made me look at it a little differently because ultimately i would say he was i really feel like he was a victim but you're you you said something about him like towing the party line which he was definitely doing but i, I actually feel like his motives were sincere I, I, I do believe that. I believe that he actually wanted to stop this cycle of I got this on you, so you do this and I'll do that, and then all this different thing. And the reason why I feel like it was sincere, because he ultimately left. And that just made me have a lot of respect for him because at the end of the season, he actually leaves the police department and becomes a lawyer, which we've been talking about this law degree since the beginning of the uh, series. So I feel like Daniels, um, more so this season than others, he was a victim in the sense that he was just doing what was agreed to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And like, just by doing that, one of the things, for example, that they agreed to was no dirty stats. Don't try to juke them. Don't try just whatever it is. That's what it is. But when he tries to do that, they tell him, what? Go ahead and juke the stats. It's cra- like, and I can just feel Which is one of the reasons that they fired Burrell. I was like, you know what? <laughs> but you, you know what's so weird? You can't I was so, I was watching this, the whole season. I was just it's going so, like this. It, it's just so true though. <laughs> like you, you just got done talking about how Burrell violated. He Talk brought fake stats. Now Daniels, about him. now, Daniels, bring us some fake stats. Literally, almost in the same scene. Totally. Like, almost. Because it, it depends. If that's the thing. It's so much about relationships and not about the work. You know, it's just like, it's just like. It's about the cycle. It's the cycle. You know, it's they, like, go ahead, sis. Well, just that year end thing. They, they were, okay, this won't be the important story come the next year. This is an election cycle that's happening right now. Everything was hinged on, in a few months, this won't be important, so let's just talk about it right now. We have to ride the wave. And also, election is happening, so we got to make sure that the mayor is looking good so they can get reelected or he can become governor. Mm-hmm. This was focus mm-hmm. and it was the same thing so like so like Carcetti at the beginning is every time you want to believe that that that's that something is 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 that a decision is being made because of the larger goals because of the work because of the requirements because of the mission you realize that that is just not what's driving decision making at the beginning of the season we see the police department underfunded because they had to make a choice between the police department and schools or at least that's the way they set themselves up to have to make a choice right. and the money goes to the schools because they want to see the school stats increase um and and you're thinking okay well if you had to choose yeah yeah, invest in the schools. As soon as it became more politically advantageous to fund the police department, guess what? F the schools. F them. 
And now the money, it swings itself right back to the police department. There's just, there's no virtue in a system that um, prioritizes individual progression and the I, fighting for power. And can I, I just want to piggyback right, right on that comment you made because I feel like there's such a realistic depiction of what goes on in politics, unfortunately, Woo. and everything. Because if you notice, first of all, there are so few people who actually had positive intentions for the community. You know, like, like I mean, we, we could say uh, Colvin, we could say Daniels at times, we could say Carver at times, right? We, we, Lester, we, Lester. Lester, I think Lester's one of the one of the 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 good ones. But here's the point I was wanted to make: anybody who was a good one got chewed up and spit out. And that's the crazy that's thing the the about how it actually is. Because if you're if you're coming around talking about you actually want to help people and you wanna you you wanna change, the powers that be are just not going to let that happen in, in a lot of ways, or it's going to be incredibly difficult. You know, it's, it's going to be like, you know, I mean, when you think about what was involved with like the civil rights movement, for example, like this wasn't some people writing a couple of letters. This was something that people had to physically engage in for decades. You see what I'm saying? And what I'm saying is, is it's just so unfortunate that to get change, it seems like you literally have to lose your mind. Like you, well, well, I mean, <laughs> you have to go to such I, honestly, lengths I, honestly, to get change. It's to, ridiculous to get, actual, to get actual change because, and I just felt like that's what was so interesting about this season in particular, as they wrap it all up, because that's how I feel often when I'm when I'm watching. I, I, I've been. Um, excuse me, watching uh, politics more than I've had and just seeing, and it's just like, if you're, if you're a person and you're like, I want to actually help, your, your road is so difficult. It's virtually impossible. It's like, well, I just got to play within these rules and hopefully I can squeeze something through. And the other side of it is, is that we see how everybody has their own interests involved. So like when Carcetti is talking about, you know, the, uh, trying to do this for crime or trying to do, or who he could go to for the money, they're all like, well, we'll send it for us. Or how's this going to affect my election uh, campaign? It, it, was, it was so funny. I was watching and it, it, one thing. Y'all ever see that uh, guy, Jim Jeffries? Mm-mm. What, or I'm um, not sure. Well, th- there's a couple of different shows that went over to other places where they interviewed their politicians. And one, one, like The Daily Show, I think did one as well. But basically, they were talking to this politician. And, they, and this politician sacrificed his career to get some legislation pushed through. But he has no problems with it. And they asked him, what makes a good politician? He's like, if, if you affect change and you, uh, you know, 
positively impact people's lives. And then they went to the same question with this American politician. And they said, well, what makes a good politician? He was like, if you win. And there it is. It's sad. There it it's is. It's just, it's just all everything, but, everything that we saw was just people worrying about their own. Because even Carcetti wasn't worried about the police department or the schools. He was no, worried about becoming the governor. The the That's all. The lie coming out. I think something you're talking about, bro, at the depth of it is character. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy how even when we get back uh, transitioning into the drug game, how even there, there's some things that you're questioning character. One of our, we'll say one of my favorite drug dealers <laughs> was Proposition Joe. Prop Joe, for a very long time, he was not toting the line. Prop Joe wanted to give everybody respect. He didn't want any issues with anyone. He respected people's positions. He didn't want any smoke with Omar. He respected Avon's position when he was, the Barksdale organization was on top. Buy for a nickel, sell for a dime. Listen, that was Prop Joe's thing. And then when that whole thing happened with Stringer and he created these business meetings that they were having in the hotel, Prop Joe was all with it. With the co-op. He was with it. The thing where Prop Joe started to mess up and he started to lose character was when he was trying to get Marlo on the team. And you started seeing him do some different things that were backhanded. Uh, we saw, was it last season, where he had, or was this season? Was it this season? Where Marlo, um, Proposition Joe set up Marlo to be robbed. And it was, that was, a, that was, that was last, last yep. season. Yes, mm-hmm. that was the ring. Mm-hmm. And so last season, you see that. Well, all of that comes back to really haunt Proposition Joe because in the end, Marlo's the one that kills him. We see someone like Marlo who has no character and he is winning in terms of the drug game. He now has a connection with the Greeks (laughs) who are not Greek. He now has a connection with the Greeks. He now is um, the main person that's on top. He staged a coup, basically. He took over <laughs> the co-op and disbanded well, it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a very, it's a very interesting parallel there because as we can see, it, when, we, when we think about Prop Joe and when we think about Carcetti and even, even though I don't, like Carcetti's motives was to be governor, but if he would have been able to do the things he wanted to do to get to governor, there would have been positive stuff that happened, even though the intentions were, you know what I mean? Like, like, right. like even though the intentions were pure all the way, like if, if the funding would have been still better affect for change. the police, exactly, it still would have changed. If it would have went down. But right. the parallel that you're pointing out is that Unfortunately, we see that people who have any integrity, first of all, the people with the least integrity end up winning most of the time. Just like they had Clay Davis dead to rights. And, and 
there's no, he is one of the greasiest people in the entire show because he fronts like he's a, 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 a citizen, but he's not. He's not a citizen. He's a criminal. He's a criminal. And he was even talking to Lester about how he bled Stringer Bell, which was a nice callback in terms of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, because they explained in detail what happened to Stringer in this season. Yeah. Even though Stringer was killed in season three, which which was to me phenomenal writing. But the point that I just want to piggyback on what Brittany was saying is that we see that the people who are who have the least amount of scruples are winning all the time. And even the people who like when you look at like a prop Joe, where or I'll even go as far as I know this is going to be controversial, but I'll go as far as the McNulty. Because what these people are would like to do is just work within, you know, the parameters. So so it's it's like it's like prop Joe. But you're not even allowing me to. I have to do something kind of backhanded to go forward. And then it comes around to bite me. Right. So so but it's like if you go back, because if we look, if we look at when Marlo came around in season Again, uh, that out of control cycle, it, but out of control. It, it, Marlo came around in season four, and Prop Joe's whole purpose was to bring him into the fold. That, that's what he wanted to do, so that we can all... But Marlo is out here still shooting people. And as long as he's out here shooting back and forth with Avon, we are, this thing is going to crumble. So what do I do? I do something underhanded so I could try to get his, you know, his 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 uh, allegiance, and you see that not just on the drug side, but you see it in the politics, you see it in the uh, the paper, thing. you see it in the schools, the you see it in every aspect that they. So I'm just saying that's that's just a very good point. That unfortunately, man, the, no matter when you want to have character and integrity. You, you, you're not, it's, we haven't seen that win yet. It's so Mm-mm. true. And Even in the school system, Presbo, <laughs> he tried to be the good teacher. He had to start doing things that were not part of policy to get part of the curriculum. Done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, when, and when you were just talking, bro, uh, you know, and I heard it in what you were saying too, sis, it's like, it's like this, like, it's just like you, this, like the can't win for losing kind of thing. And, and I can't help but think about the children that we saw in this show through the entire five seasons of the show. Um, but in this season in particular, we watch children that just never even had the opportunity to get to the point of a level of maturity where they could at least say, that could at least understand the kinds of trade-offs they were really making, you know? Yeah. So like when, when we saw McNulty, like in this space of like, I'm so desperate to, to, to just be able to live within the terms that I accepted, that I'm going to do something crazy to, to, to make those terms real. And Proposition Joe, I'm so desperate to live in the terms that I've accepted, I'm gonna do something crazy so that I can get back to those terms. These little boys, these little beautiful little boys, they don't even un- fully understand the trade-offs 
because they're so young and their lives are so limited that they don't even understand the fullness of what they're missing out on. And that is just heartbreaking. We so, you know, what, what, did, you, what did you think about the scene when, mm -hmm. oh, you're about to talk about it. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I might not be the specific thing you were you're thinking about, bro, but I'm, I'm sure thinking about, I'm thinking about the storyline of Michael, of course. Michael is someone we met and when we met him. Can, 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 we, can, we, can we talk about Michael last? Yeah. Can we talk about Michael last? Definitely. Because I, the Michael mm -hmm. Dookie thing, I think we should talk about that last. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on Randy. Uh, well, I grew right I up. Grew right up. Grew huh? right up. Last time we saw Randy. But it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just so crazy when you see who he was. He went and from before being. I, he went from being like a a a a a, a, a child a child who was so clearly not a fit for the streets. Hold, hold on. Let me let me help Randy out. Randy's the one with the corn rolls. Exactly who Randy is. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm surprised. I know exactly. Oh, I know exactly. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Usually, I, usually, usually, you'll be like, you know, the one with the green shirt. The one listen, with the green shirt. But the question is, do you always know who I'm talking about? I do. I do. Okay, I then. Do. Okay, then. That's <laughs> what we talking about. That's what we talking about. The last time, the last time we saw Randy, we thought he was gonna get murdered because we did. he thought. I thought Randy was about to die. He was such a sweet little boy with like this wonderful little entrepreneurial instinct. And you Carver know, was trying to foster him. He, he, was, he, he was needed trying to, so hard. He was trying, he needed to do something. He didn't have good judgment. He kept being in these situations where people were saying to him that were, there were these big, large stakes implications for these little small stakes decisions he was making. And he kept being vi being victim of that. And we mm -hmm. saw him last season. He was just this little boy who was just like put into a group home. He was um he was being beat up last time we saw him by bigger, more aggressive boys. Um and now we saw him. He comes down the stairs and not only has he physically matured, um in terms of which is so cool because it shows you how quickly children grow. It just completely shows how fast they grow. Cause I was like Wait a minute. A year and a half. <laughs> a year and a half. And he's physically matured. Exactly. But also, he's now hard. There's no other way to describe him. He's so hard. He is, um, all of the light has left his eyes. He is completely now any other character on this show. He has lost his uniqueness and he's now blending in to that problematic narrative of, of the black boys and, that, and that we're seeing. To, of survival. Just, just to survive. Just to survive. Survival. He, he wouldn't have been able to live in that group home and in that community if he didn't conform. He had to. Mm. How often, it's, it, it, it's crazy that it's poetic in a way to think about. He has the same face. He had the same hairstyle. He was still Randy. That's his name, right? But it was a completely different person. Man, it was it, such it, a different that, person. That that was a short. That was a short scene that was amazing. It was to powerful. Me. So because because it was like you could see the entire previous year and a half without seeing it, just by seeing this result. 
just by seeing this result, this hardened individual, that the mere fact that he's still alive, we know he had to be on some different, we know he's probably had to do some things he never would have imagined he had to do mm -hmm. just, to, just to survive. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was definitely one of my favorite scenes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you guys about like, you know, I've said before, Stringer's my favorite character, but that's just because I like Stringer. But honestly, I think the best character might be Bubbles on, on, on this entire uh, series. And one thing that I love about The Wire, it lets things work out sometimes. Because guess what? In life, sometimes certain things, certain things work out. Just like if we see Maimond, just by sheer luck. Imagine if Colvin never took that job. He'd be dead. He would be dead. Naaman would literally be dead. Yeah, but he just, got, he just got lucky. And now he's debating, sounding like he's at Shelly High. This is doing his thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just, and the thing about Bubbles is we saw so many people not make it out. Because most people their bottom is when they die. You know, like, like they just keep going until they die. But Bubbles last season had his bottom out when he mistake, when he was re essentially responsible for Sherrod's death. And that was his bottom. And you could just, he played that character masterfully. masterfully. I mean, like, cause you see the struggle okay. in his eyes in this whole season. You can see him. Um, I have know. to call out that actor's name. It is Andre Royo playing Reginald it's Bubbles amazing. Cousins. Amazing. He's amazing. Amazing. Okay. amazing. Because when he was, when you see him, like when he was just sitting there in the basement, in a, uh, if you haven't seen it, he got to, he got to stay in his sister's basement who he's obviously burned several times throughout life. So she's heard it all before, basically. And he's just sitting in this basement and he's just spaced out. You can just see it's taking everything to him not to go pursue drugs. And or take that, his own life. Oh my gosh. I you know what's he's so crazy. Fighting all of that. All of it. You know what's so crazy? I didn't think about it. that too. That's in there like I could just end this right now, you know? Because and, he tried. He tried to end it. But, yo, but let me tell you, that, that see, when he finally, because at one point during the show, one of the reporters from the Baltimore Sun ends up doing basically a profile yes. on, 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 on Bubbles. And Bubbles... And I want to tell you, that actor that played that reporter is actually a friend of mine. We went to school together at Howard. His name is Brandon Young. Good friend oh, of mine. Oh, uh, the... Uh, the reporter. Really? Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so he did a great job, too. Because, so like, it, it was... Brandon... Well, I forget what his name is in the show. So I'll, I'll pull it out. I'll pull it out. Okay. But the, the he was one of the good guys. Something like Jeffrey. I can't remember. He, he was also able to navigate, get this story out without screwing over bubbles, without lying, without doing anything. Mm. He got this great story out. But that scene when Bubbles finally talks about Sherrod in front of the group 
in front of the the, the, uh, the drug addicts anonymous group. That was a heavy scene, yo. So I mean, good. like that was one of them lump in your throat for me. Type yeah, scenes, like, yeah. Like where I'm sitting there, like, yo, this is just TV. This is it was, TV. It was Mike Fletcher. Together. Mike Fletcher. Mike Fletcher. Was Mike Fletcher. Fletcher. Yeah. Fletcher. He was. He was a great character because that there are people like that. He wasn't leading the the Baltimore Sun. He wasn't on the bottom. There are people like that who just aren't there. I think though, I think though, bro, that speaks to your glimmer of hope that sometimes things do work out. Sometimes. This positive, real, true story made it to the front page, yeah. and yeah. it made it into the story. And I even and think who, about who, Kima. Who do I we think know about Kima? How but, her her uh, before story. we leave Bubbles really quickly, I just mm-hmm. want to name that yes, Bubbles' story is a story of redemption. But Sherrod had to die. So I just want to name that. Like, even as the show True. is showing, like, okay, there is good here in humanity. There is just, there's always an offset. I just felt like that's what this one. show a was. Big one. This show was just showing us over and over again. Like, you know, it's just, but... there has to be something very dramatic to shift the system. Otherwise, such a, such a good, it just keeps, it just point. keeps repeating. So I just wanted and to name that before we left Bubbles. No, and I, but what you it was about more Kima? so of a, of a thing when it comes to that part of dying. Something still has to die, even if it's in you. Mm-hmm. Some part of you has to die so a greater part of you can live. And in this case, transitioning into chemo, also going along with that theme of glimmer of hope and also something else dying. Kima, we saw her grow. We saw her hit bottom. We saw her, her, she's no longer with her wife. She didn't like this baby that came into the world to where now she's Auntie Kima sitting in the window saying goodnight to, to, to think, the, um, to the lights. Like she, think, <laughs> she's you saying. Think, you think Kima hit bottom? When he, when you, I don't think she when you are either. Oh, I do. When you're sitting on a car with McNulty out near the train tracks, getting drunk, cheating on your wife, you've hit somebody's bottom. For whatever so your bottom, for whatever your bottom looks like, to me, that's not the trajectory of what she wanted. So to me, she hit where her lowest was. But Being thing- mad at this baby being mad at the fact that things are, you know, even when she had to be on the desk, even when, you know, everything happened where she got hurt, you know, all these different things, you see that part that has happened. And now to me, even to the point of her being um, more on point and on par, having to tell on McNulty from where ultimately she does tell on McNulty because this is just too far. Um, I do believe in my opinion, that we did see Kima get to a low. When you don't well, like a little baby that has nothing to, like, the baby didn't well, do anything well, well, her, well, her, You don't like this baby. So, her, um, but, but in my opinion, she did hit low, and then we see her start to die to self in the sense that I'm building baby furniture. I'm going her, to get her, baby, and her, I'm okay with it. Her, her watershed moment came when she saw what happened to that, that young guy, because... Um, 
they the the Barksdale, Barksdale the uh, Stansfield organization killed all family with with family. with uh, a, one survivor and who was a little boy and when she was in there watching him and seeing how this little boy is just at a point that we have no idea how he would even be able to begin to come back from that that's when she called her mm-hmm. you know so that was the point that she really yeah, I, 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 I will tell you, I would, when I mixed in, it's all mixed in those pivotal things that happen to help you see more about yourself, exactly. that help you see more about your own view about what parts of you have to die. So the better parts of you can live and move forward. And but unfortunately, that's why, it was that little that's, boy. That's why for Kima, I wouldn't think of her low as when her marriage broke down and she you know, I, and she was out drinking with McNulty. What I saw that moment. No, I of, was using that as parts of it. When you're right, starting but what to I was, get onto the decline, yeah. What I was saying was I wasn't looking at that as a decline. I was looking that. Oh, I absolutely look, saw that as a decline. I was looking at that as her be getting back to a truer version of herself. The truth mm-hmm. is she never really wanted to be a parent. And so when she mm-hmm. was doing that, that was her going through the motions. When she was married, she really just wanted her wife. She didn't want the whole construct and accountability that comes along with marriage. And so right. even being married, that wasn't her being herself. And so when in those moments where she was with McNulty and being honest about not wanting to be a parent, I thought those were the moments where she was true. So in that way, I would think of her rock bottom as when she was being her most fake, her first, her most inauthentic. And that's when she's playing house and like pretending like she wants to be a mom. And I felt like um, her decision to stop being a deadbeat parent was certainly, um, it was an evolution in her character. But I don't Absolutely. look at it, I don't look at it as her moving away from some kind of rock bottom. I just looked at it as she had a change of heart and she was evolving. But I think her, her true self before that moment was not somebody who was inclined to parent. You know? Well, I'm just thinking about even her actions in that. So even if you are not who you are in that moment, if you are um, making license to say, I'm gonna do this thing in this moment, you're dishonoring that thing by not coming home, you're cheating. You're, you're coming home drunk. To me, even in that her, which again could be part of her rock bottom, you're not living in your truth, is this is also part of it because you're disrespecting the life where you are right now, even if it's one that you never planned for, even if it's one you was ill-advised for you because it's not part of you. But it's also the, the parts where it's like, you're doing a disservice to this space in life that you have made the choices to be in. So if you're wanting to get to the real person of who you are, change that part first before mm-hmm. you start doing other things. So <laughs> if you want to sleep with a bunch of random people, by all means do it. But make sure that your divorce is final. If you don't want to come home any time of the night, you want to come home whenever you want to, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're no longer responsible for anyone except for yourself. And so and- she's those, so that's when I'm like, okay, you're you're shifting great and you're starting to come into yourself. But you're also hitting some lows in that coming into yourself. 
Do y'all think she should have told? What do y'all think about that? Yeah, so ultimately, Kima is the one, you know, slowly you but surely. Y'all both agree? Slowly but surely, Kima, slowly Absolutely. but surely, you know, <laughs> McNulty starts to let people know that he's made, he's done this lying. And he starts to let people in his inner circle know. Mm -hmm. And so he tells Kima. And, you know, she ultimately is the person who ends up telling the higher-ups. Because there were other people that knew Bunk knew, didn't tell. Um, Lester, when Lester found out, Lester got excited and was in cahoots <laughs> and took the plan to the next level. He was ready. And then when Kima found out, she was so disgusted. She, she, she grappled with it a little bit, but she did end up telling. You know, I, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I, man, it's like I flip back and forth. You know, I flip back and forth. Because on, guess, on, on, on the one I side. Know. I was like, I was happy she told because I was really concerned. I understood why McNulty did it. I could get it. But I was, when, when, hand, when information like this gets into the public hand, you don't know what is about to happen. And the worst fear of mine was someone is actually going to start killing homeless people. And legitimately, that is what happened. In the sense, because these other ones, you find out that they were natural causes or it could have been drugs, whatever mm -hmm. it was, alcohol, whatever it could have been. But those last two were actual murders by someone yeah. who was mentally unstable. And so I was happy that Kima said something. I was like, because this has become a monster. This is so the, much, all, this is, it's out of control. Quick, quick insert. All those actors deserve whatever the actor award what? is. What? Yes. All, all, all of those people. So good. All of them were fantastic. All of them were those? fantastic. Oh my God. Oh, so good. I was like, I'm sorry. Did they hire homeless people? That, yeah. was, <laughs> that yeah. were mentally unstable? Like, which, shout out to The Wire for highlighting PTSD. I was but I love, so I, happy that they talked about that. I was so happy that they talked about that. And I, I just love how there are so many parts in the wire that are not black and white. It's all a gray area. Because even what we are talking that about is is in terms of the, you know, the politics and all of that, like these people are in situations where they're just trying to make, for whatever end, they're trying to make the best decision because like even even if we're looking at Carcetti, he wasn't he was in a place where it just a lot of times seems like there's no good decision to be to be made and i think that this whole situation with uh mcnulty was the was a great example of that because it's like look man there is a murderous drug dealer out here just doing whatever, because y'all won't put no people in this. And for whatever reason, th this is still out here happening. So, so whatever you excuse you make, at the end of the day, this is, this is happening. So just like we talked about going to extremes to actually change, McNulty just went to an extreme. And it's funny because every time I watch the show, which I've watched a lot of times, but I, I always go back and forth on the chemo thing. Because on one end, you had guys out there still working the murders. You had, you know, um, um, a copycat, like Brittany said. You had these things happening. But um, on the other end, I feel like 
if she could have just kept her mouth shut for about two more weeks, they might have been able- You know, bro and sis, I, I gotta tell you, in, in, in the big scheme of things, Kima's decision didn't matter. It didn't really point. matter. You point. know, so that's, that's, I'm sitting here trying to, to frame a point of view, but it didn't really matter. It stopped you know, it. No, it, it just, it, it, well, did it stop it? It stopped that specific thing, but not the machine. I get what you're saying. I, Listen, I don't, because I don't even when Marlo think... came out, Marlo was ready. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I don't yeah. know. What do y'all, what do y'all? The, the only real impact of Kima actions is that Lester and McNulty are no longer police officers. Other than that, and, and nobody's know, doing work. I don't know if she shifted the course of on anything else because even the homeless thing was they ended up just hiding it. So it still played out how it was going to play out. You know, they didn't really deal with it. They just see. See now, now based on what you said, I don't think she should have did it. It I'm just played the, out. I'm, I'm flopped know. again because she didn't. Uh-uh. Really, so. I don't because, know. I mean, it stopped, to me, it, stopped, it stopped though police officers like the one guy who came up to McNulty and blackmailing him. <laughs> like, listen, I don't know what you did, but all I know is that I want to be at this golf weekend this weekend in North Carolina. That's a perfect so you example, need to connect though. It, you need to connect it to this. And I was like, but McNulty. That's, that's a perfect example, is, though, of that was, that was McNulty's little peek into leadership. And just to kind of know that you can't, there, 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 even you can't when you have in. the power, you still will find yourself in a situation where, where someone will find a way to wield power over you. And so I just feel like that, that kind of cop that would use uh, public money to go fund a vacation would do that whether he was doing it under McNulty's watch or otherwise. Or mm-hmm. You see, else's. so that guy is just a whack, corrupt guy. So, so what are you saying? So you're saying she shouldn't have said anything. I'm saying that it didn't matter. And uh, in the big scheme of things. Like, because it is going to be. So it's not even something to discuss. Because it's like, whatever. I I mean, I think so. Even in the end, McNulty and Lester, they had no problem forgiving her. And you know what they said? And McNulty said it because it's been something that's been said. If you felt like it had to be done then you had to do it. You had to do it. You had to do it. Because they're basically saying, you just do the best you can in the moment because at the end of the day, the moment changes. Man. So, I, so I, I, I think, so for Kima, she gets to rest her head. Her, she can sleep well on that easy. one. Okay. But Kima also, um, you know, ha- beats up random people in the community to get information that haven't necessarily done anything. So I don't know. When did she and, do that? Oh, she was definitely like one of the people who's like roughing up. Um, when that they, was she's she's talking about from season one or two when well, they had, when they were still working with the Barksdale organization. I'm saying she's a part but just of the, the nuance of her character. She's a part of the machine. She's a part so, of the machine. So, so. And and the other thing we have to name just like as we're talking about like okay the there was like the the police officers were. Everybody's doing what they got to do. While all this is happening, guess who is also being victimized? The public. Because the public is now, number one, living in fear that they um, that there's a serial killer among them, right? They're scared. 
You know, all people who have loved ones that are experiencing homelessness or poverty are now scared. Is my loved one going to be killed by the serial by the serial killer? And living with that kind of fear, that is unfair when it's, it's not real. And 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 so that that's a way that the media that fear mongering something bad has happened. Let's talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and put it on the front page, and um and just sensationalize the bad thing. And the other thing is, it's like, okay, yeah, the police now have funding again, but what do they actually end up doing? Really practically, it's surveillance of Black communities. Exactly. It's like, okay, now they're out here again. We're hearing the sirens in the Black community, you know, and we know the police aren't actually there to keep us safe. And so they're just everywhere. We're just now the Black community in America living in this police state. And so I just got to, and I feel like I'm like uh, Susie Cynical right now, but uh, I, I just don't think, I don't think Kima's decision mattered. Okay. No, I, I think you made, you know, I think you made a really great case for that. It's a great case. I think, I think, you, I think, I think and you at the really, same time, really I, 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 I was also elevating earlier Carver's statement about like everything matters. And I guess what I'm saying is like, maybe like in the moment, everything matters because there's ripple effect. But Kima's, it just didn't, I don't know, the ripple was small. It was two cops that one was about to retire anyway, and the other one was a crazy pants. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean, also I, probably I, why I, I, it didn't I, even I, matter. Yeah. That's probably the, another I mean, reason why it didn't matter, because it was like, y'all two halfway out the door anyway. You are. Like, McNulty, you literally should have been years ago. Years Let ago. Me- let me ask being you guys insubordinate this. at the least. <laughs> well, first of all, do we do we have anything to discuss before we get it close up with Michael and Dookie? Do we I have anything else? We didn't talk about Omar. Yeah. Really quickly, just the people from other seasons who we got a chance to see again. Like on the docks, I love that how they we did got that. a chance yeah, that was to see cool. Yeah, how that we was, saw Rain. I love that. that. Really, I just loved how they brought it. was really cool. They, and, they, really and they brought them all in. And it wasn't like the shoehorned in. No, like, like everything was good. But but let me ask you all do you think, because Brittany said something about Marlo, you know, he was ready to get back in the game. And this has been something I've discussed with several people. Do you think that's what they were saying? Or do you think it was like his just his last hurrah? You know, like, like let me just, you know, be a gangster for 10 more minutes and then I'm done. So what, like, what do y'all think he was doing? I don't think, I don't think Marlo could get back in the game. I think like the step that he has taken would have him, if he tried to get back in, he would be shot in the head like Cheese was. I mean, I feel like you can't, you can't make the kind of, you can't take the kind of step that he's taken and come back. And so even if he wanted to, he wouldn't be able to. He's can never, he's never going to be the primary contact with the Greek again. He's never going to be someone who that can contend with the other local drug leaders. He's, he's, he's done. That bridge is burnt. So I felt like it was just one little moment of him needing to exert authority. He had a moment of, of, of entering the world as a businessman, as a small fish. And he didn't like that. So he just wanted to go somewhere and put on the crown again. He goes to the corner and, and gets reminded that he has given away the crown. And then he just like those little hissy fit and beats up the people. So I didn't look at it as like, I'm back now. I'm a bad guy again. 
I looked at it as, oh, I missed this, and I'm having a little tantrum. What about you, Britt? Um, I looked at it like Marlo is not going to go along with the plan of got your money. Your money is still in these offshore accounts. Leave. Like, I just was like, Marlo, you're going to stay? Like, that's, well, that, was, plan, that was my... His, his plan was he wasn't trying to get out of Dodge like Omar did. He was No, just, no, not so much get out of Dodge, but just this is your life now. Your I whole mean, organization is in jail. <laughs> Every your your right hand people. One is in jail for life now, and the other one, um, he's hanging out with WeeBay. The other one <laughs> is dead. So even your enforcers, your enforcers are gone. Um, but what I will say is that I believe Marlo was trying to have a last ditch effort because in in jail when the offers got arrested is when he finds out that Omar was looking for him. And Omar had been saying his name and saying, you know, come fight me, come see me on the streets. He's too much of a punk to be on the streets. Unbeknownst to us, Chris was actually keeping that information from Marlo. And we Marlo knew he doesn't was keeping find out. Right. Well, I think that there was some point that they finally say it, but you didn't, I don't, for, I was, I'll, I'll speak for me. I do not believe I knew the depths of how much he was keeping from Marlo, which I felt like was a nod to what was happening between Stringer and Avon. But what, and but so what, but what see, does that have to do with, what does the Omar thing have to do with the last time we see Marlo? Right. So I was getting to that. And so what I was about to finish saying was that he is out there on the corner trying to reclaim his name because now you have, wait, he's been saying my name in the streets, which y'all got me out here looking like a punk. And so this is his reaction while he's in prison, while he's in jail with the other people upset that he's, he's been being called out, but he doesn't know about it because his name is so important. And this is the same way Avon used to feel. My name is important. They even had a camaraderie situation where it was like, where to what's that? This is, their name is very important. So I feel like that last thing that he did, especially after finding out- So you do think it was the last thing? Right, like, but not so much to get into the drug game again, but to just be able to say, y'all need to be afraid of Marlo. It's my name that I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm not concerned about the money. I'm concerned about my name being disrespected in the street. Yeah, I, I, I've, I can't all the way figure that one out. And I've never Googled it because I like kind of, but I can see, here's the thing. What you said, Janine, was very reasonable. In the sense that I've lost all my muscle, I've lost my entire organization. You know, I got and this, I burned people. I burned people. I got this thing hanging over me, um, this case you hanging over me. Long. That if something happens, I'm going to, under the jail. I got all this stuff happening, so it's not even a feasible reality. But then I think about the mentality of people like Marlo and Avon, and I don't know. I don't know if he think he could do it all over again. I don't know. And you know what? I think that the show, obviously, they intentionally left it unclear. Yeah, and I yeah. think they did that on purpose because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If it's not Marlo, it's somebody else. 
those drugs are going to be amok. I think that's the point. It's like, okay, it's like, because we keep seeing this. We keep seeing like, okay, the police get some of the people locked up, but some of the people are still out there. It's a resurgence. Okay, we get one corrupt political leader out, but there's another one coming right in. And so it's like, it it doesn't matter where Marlo is an individual lands because for the community the drugs remain present and in terms of the money the money is still Mm -hmm. leaving the community and the money you know so in terms of the 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 actual intervention that getting marlo off the streets theoretically makes okay a drug kingpin is gone it doesn't matter because there's another one there's another there's one. Another, so, there's so another one coming. So what did y'all think about Omar in this season? I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot. Well, first of all, please log out of the podcast because how dare you forget Omar? Omar <laughs> is, I mean, to me in this season, um, let me just say, for those who may not remember, Omar, listen, he was definitely on the piss list for people, and especially Marlo. And he got on out the country. And you know what? He probably would have stayed gone a good long time, you know? But Marlo killed Butchie. And Mar- the blind uh, barkeep. And that is Marlo. That, that, that's that Omar's mentor. Omar's mentor. That, that Omar's integrity. Bae. That integrity, that character. No and respect the, Marlo has. None. No, None. None. And the fact that 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 Marlo did that to send a message to Omar, if he hadn't done it to send a message to Omar, and Omar found out Marlo would have been on his list. But he did it to send a message to Omar, and then Omar got the message. Omar came back from whatever overseas place where he was. Okay, uh, might not have been overseas, but far away place. Okay, and he comes back with one thing to do in the same way that he was so committed to taking down the Stansfield organization. I mean, the uh, Barksdale organization, he was about to take Marlo out. He literally had a list Ow. of Marlo and all of his key lieutenants and his, and his, his muscle. And he had a list and he was planning to check them off one by one. He's there. Um, and he's does his normal Omar thing. He's staking them out. He has just a, a tight little crew. It's just him and one other guy and they're staking it out. They're getting their plan together. And Omar, he ends up um, in a situation where his, he has two options. One option is to get shot up by the muscle uh, from, from Marlo's team or to jump out of a window that had to be, what, five, six, seven stories up? And Omar- five, I think it was four or five stories. Four or five stories. Yeah. Omar, with his gangster self, he jumps right on out that window and we watch him the rest of the season limping around on, blo- on broken legs, still having pretty effective tactics in terms of taking people out, doing stick ups, um, and certainly checking stuff off his list to kind of take down Marlo. And Even then, he was hobbled and still people was like, oh, Omar coming. And he's literally <laughs> hobbled. It's not even a real crutch. It's a mop. With a tat, with a sheet, a little oh, rag over it under his arm. It's like a, like a tiny Tim crutch. Okay. <laughs> and his legs are literally not bending. <laughs> He's like hobbling on these broken legs. And people are like, oh, Marlo's Kevin. He can't even walk. Um, and, and, but still his name. That's something Marlo never had like Omar had. Omar's name. Well, no, nobody. You hear it? Nobody. Nobody had that. And ultimately, Mar- uh, Omar ends up getting shot 
while just picking up cigarettes from the corner store, he uh, gets shot in the head by a little boy from Marlowe's mm-hmm. organization that is just a little boy. He's a little baby. It, it was a little baby Weebay. It was a little baby Chris. Well, 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 I think that was, I think that's a I think that's a very good um uh comparison. Segway. Because mm-hmm. because the thing is that we've seen him uh what's his name? Kennard. We've seen Kennard since season one. Mm-hmm. And Kennard, if he survives, is going to be a Weebay or a Chris. Because he's a sociopath already. He yeah, he's he's it's already a psychopath. But already. it's interesting, it's interesting seeing the beginning. And, and when we'll wrap up, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But but yeah, that was so interesting to me. I love the choices that the show made. Because see, another show would have had Marlo, I mean uh, Omar with two machine guns in the in in the uh you know in the bar. Doing too of, much. Yeah, in, in one of those vacants and people would have been shooting and he'd have said something like, I'm Omar. Just you know, or like it had just been yeah. an over the top thing. But in the reality, anyone who could pull a trigger and is not scared of him can kill him. Dead. That's it. And it ended up being a little boy who killed Omar, who had been certain, who had the two biggest, two of the biggest drug organizations in Baltimore history, tore the city apart trying to get this through. And at the end of the day, it was just a little boy and shot. And I thought that was great. I thought that they was did a great. Lot, job. A lot of people didn't like that, but I like it because that, that's what, you know, it, look. It, you, and they did a great job of showing that after all that Omar was in this particular really, really battered community, his name meant so much. In the big scheme of things, it didn't mean anything. He went to the morgue and they didn't even have the right name on him after he was dead. Um, and some, luckily somebody caught it, you know, and put the right name tag on his dead body. His, the, the announcement of his death, they had a choice at the newspaper to announce his death in a teeny little two paragraph blurb or to use that two paragraphs to talk about something else, talk about a fire. They just talked about the fire. So it's like, he's just gone. He's just gone. But guess what? He was replaced by, I don't know if you're ready to talk about it, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm ready. If if we don't, but I just feel like- He ends up getting replaced, even if we aren't specific yet. He ends up getting replaced by just other little boys in the community end up becoming Omar. They Then other little stick up boys. Talk end on. up start to start to exist Talk yeah on. that's the story of michael you know we so we listen we watched michael wait wait wait, wait, wait. i hate going back and forth is mm-hmm. there anything else that we need to talk about before well, we talk i about mean michael? in all honesty bro is something else may come to mind so i know you want to make it a perfect like but if something else comes to someone's brain you can't stop it but all right so I the thing with michael the, the 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 thing with michael was that was a great story arc you know and the um the relationship between him and dookie man I, i'm just telling y'all like that last scene between well basically in this scene we in this series we see michael become part of the uh, uh, Stansfield organization, which I think that happened in obviously last season along with all the other murders. Mm-hmm. But 
we didn't get to see him really, really becoming a part. And the thing about Michael is Michael is one of the biggest victims of circumstance in this entire series. And so for him to um, become part of this, we see him struggling with his own ethics because he is down to kill. He's down to be violent, but he just needs to know there's a reason behind what's going on and just killing people for no reason. Because he's intelligent. He's extremely intelligent and he's very, he's very discerning. And, um, and what makes it so tragic is, you know, that this boy, if you put him in a different circumstance, he would have been amazing. Like if he had been the one who got with Colvin instead of Naaman, he would have probably been just as good as, as, as Naaman. It just didn't hash out like that. And um, so we see him in this season committing murders, but asking about it. Like, why do we need to do this? Which, of course, what the organization wants, it's blind obedience. So, so like, if if I say something, do it. And and ultimately, what, what happens is, is the whole organization, like we said, ends up getting locked up by things that had nothing to do with Michael, other than the fact that the murder warrant on Chris was put out because he killed Michael's mother's boyfriend, Michael's brother's father, right? Michael's brother's father, um, that Chris uh, killed him, but Chris didn't do it in the meticulous way that, that he normally did. He beat the guy to death with a, with a gun. And what spit, on, spit on him and left him there. So obviously there's a lot of DNA at that scene, but the organization doesn't consider that. All they know is now Chris is locked up and it has something to do with Michael. So now Michael has to get gone. But the only one who's still out is Chris. And the thing about Michael, Michael took the lessons because he's so smart. And Snoop. And Snoop. Snoop, Snoop, Snoop. Snoop. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. The only one that was out was Snoop. And then he uh, surveilled her for an entire day and realized that she was trying to get the drop on him. And so he got the drop on her. And that's, I hate to say favorite when I'm talking about a murder scene, but I, that scene got me hyped when it, the first time I saw it because it's like, Yo, this dude is doing everything you say. And just like Daniels, it doesn't matter. You're still going to come after him. And, 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 and I got to say, every single time we saw one of the true gangsters die, they just take it. You know, and, you know, we've seen, we've seen people plead for their lives. We've, and, and, maybe Jordan, and maybe some of them will try to negotiate. Like Proposition Joe was about to die and he was like, let me, let me try to strike a deal because I'm a businessman as well as a Mm -hmm. drug dealer. Um, You know, and, and, but, you know, but in general, he also was just like, well, I'm going to try to strike a deal, but I'm, I'm going to die now if I, if this deal isn't struck. So let me just close my I'm just going to close. And he was like, close, Marlo's like, close, he closed it. And so Snoop was just like, okay, well, Michael figured it out. Um, How does my hair look? And Michael was like, man, very nice. 
Um, and she was like, all right. It was so good. <laughs> but it's like, they it was so good. And she was talking about somebody else's death while they were driving. And she was basically saying it was just his time. Because that's Deserve also- Deserve got nothing of, to do with it. It's part, of, it's part of the rules of the game that when yep. your time is up, you, your time done. is just up. And so that's the other thing. It's just like this. There's something that is just so lost here in terms of just valuing lives in general that makes these people, these characters, they then ended up not valuing their own lives outside of the game. You know, it's just, it's a heartbreaking thing. I, sorry. Sister. I think, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I cut you off actually. Um, I think that to your point earlier that these young boys, they don't understand the consequences of their decisions and what they're doing. I feel like Michael was the only one that understood what was happening. And that was because he fought against it so much. He tried so hard to, in the end, I have to acquiesce if I'm going to save my brother's life. If I'm going to save my little brother's life. If I'm going to save my little brother's life mm-hmm. and make sure he doesn't grow up in this circumstance, that he can get out of this, that he stays in school, that he has food in his belly, that he is safe and taken care of, I have to live this life. I don't have any other choice. Because literally. The one that is, literally, the one that is supposed to look out for me, the one that is supposed to be there, the most she can do, which we see in this season, is come get me out of jail. But as soon as And then ask for some jail, money. Ask for some money. I don't have any other choice. So when he realized ultimately that this was going to be his life and that he knew now there was a bounty out for his head because of all that he has done, he made sure he secured his little brother with his aunt, put him away. And let me tell you, that was another award that needed to be given to that little brother. He said not one line, but I felt every piece of his sadness when he was leaving the only person he's known to truly take care of them. I wonder how piece of it. How did they get him to do that? Cause like acting. I mean, but he's so young and he was so intense. Like, and like I feel act I'm impressed when an actor could cry. But like that almost crying. Like, like where, where, where you look like you're about to cry, but you're trying to stop yourself, which, which is what will be happening. That is a, how do they do that? You just pinch it's him. Huge. No, I'm not saying people should pinch children. That's slap them. But I, yeah, you just slap them and then they cry a little. Slap but no, that's not good. No, that's a bad joke. But, um, but Aubrey, what I'm Broke him back. Broke him back. Pinch him a little. And then. I just gotta go. I just gotta go. I think I think actors put drops in their eyes. <laughs> no, that's not what you're One thing I want to say before I forget it, before because I will forget, is that the other reason why I feel like Michael understood the dichotomy of what was happening was also because of the trip he took with Dookie and mm-hmm. his little brother to Six Flags. I think Michael knew this life and that this opportunity just to go to Six Flags because it's open is not going to happen often. And I still want my little brother to experience fun and experience life and to still be somewhat of a child. 
even though might... I am not having to make these adult decisions. But he also knows he's a child too. And it's funny. It's funny too. you should say that because his last words to his brother when he dropped him off, and surely Michael's planning to keep in touch with his brother. That was obvious. Sure. But Absolutely. his last words to his brother when he dropped him off with his aunt was, don't cry, be a man. To this little yeah. tiny little boy. And so it was like, it was like, it was like, okay, he had done the best he could to take care of Bug. But even in doing that, he was passing along some of the toxic thinking yeah. that has been, frankly, a, a, a mindset that he's come to out of survival. And so whereas Bug might have had an opportunity to somehow move beyond a process, he, he could have, and he may still. Children are resilient, you know, he, but, but, but his last words from his brother was don't deal with the emotions you're feeling right now. Don't deal with it. Don't, don't grapple with it. Accept what has happened. Be a man and walk into this house and live. It's a lot of pressure for these little boys. These are little, and this one is like a little teeny little boy. And it's just like, it's so heartbreaking. Man, I'm going to tell you, and that, that scene set up the, the scene when Michael and Dookie were in a car and when he was dropping Dookie out. Like, I'm gonna tell you, I there are very few scenes in TV that just burned my brain out. And that's one of them because that conversation between them was amazing. I, and I, I don't even, I would like to talk to them and ask what type of headspace did you have to get into to do that scene because when even when they even when they did something that was like on the nose um loss of innocence where he was like yo mike you remember when we did and then they referenced the scene where it, a, a scene where they were doing some boyish stuff back in season four and he just said i don't and just you know like everything that's Ooh. innocent about me everything that was fun. Like I can't even it's recall gone. it anymore. Oh, it's just, it's just. Ooh, it makes my bones hurt. Yo, let me tell you, like, <laughs> it makes I, my it's... bones hurt. Oh, that... for, and for Duquan. Oh my God! I Did mean, you... Duquan, this season, you know, Michael kind of said, "Well, you're you're giving it a good go with the drug game. You're not very good at it. Why don't you just stay at the house? Stay at the house." <laughs> Take care, bud. Basically, and frankly, it's better for all of us. It's better for all of us because let's just say I get got, you'll be there, you'll be safe. So <laughs> you get off the corner. I'll take care of the bills. You just stay at the house. You make sure he's bus. a stay-at-home friend. He's yeah. a and he was like, what, am I going to And he was like, no, no, you're, you're still a part of the org. You play a vital role, but do it from the house. <laughs> um, and so we see Duquan, who is not a good fit for the streets. We've known that about him, you know? We see him as not a good fit for the streets. He also can't fit anywhere else because can't he's not in school where he's supposed to be. He's trying Ooh, to find when a he job. He couldn't get that job. I was so frustrated. Couldn't I was get a so job. mad. But that was another flash. That was another shout out to a prior season. What was yep. it? Because he ran into a, um, he ran into Poot. Poot. Poot had, and if we were listing out characters that we thought would have gone straight, I wouldn't have listed Poot. I would have thought Poot just got killed or stayed in the game. 
Poot is now he he said he got sick of it and he just kind of he was out. He was working working. He's selling sneakers life. now. Selling sneakers. So Duquan they, goes, didn't, they didn't show that, but I'm sure Bodie's that probably hit him hard. Straightened him up. You know. Straightened him up. And so um and so Duke, Dukey's trying to get a job. And it's so funny because they're even looking at the want ads and they have so little conceptualization of what work is outside of the drug oh trade God. that they're just looking at these random titles that, listen, no, you're not up for like vice president of sales. Like, why are you even <laughs> reading that as an option out loud or something? They, ha they have no context. They have no context. <laughs> they don't even know how to read the one ads. Aww. I was happy that they even knew the one ads were there. Right. And so he's just wandering around trying to find a job that it's so he can contribute meaningfully to the household and then the only way that he can get work is to start working with the junk man aka the drug addicts and imagine what bubs and Sherrod. and so what do we see by the end we see when when michael says to duquan you can't stay with me anymore because my life is gonna i, I can't i can't be what i'm too hot mm -hmm. i'm too hot I, I i essentially he's basically saying i have to be a live a life in the shadows now i'm yeah. over yeah. um and so he he ends up asking du, duquan where he wants to go and duquan has no other answer except to go be with the drug addicts that's his only answer and so literally we watch michael drop dookie off and he stands there at the gate of like where the homeless people are looks back he has no other options he walks in he walks in and then the next time we see him he's strung out asking presbo for money oh. Yo, that, that even 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 talking oh. about it even talking about it now makes me sad like and and i know it's just the tv show i know who I'm but, and that's what makes it you so <laughs> sad though bro because you know it's not that's what that's makes true. it sad. When you're watching a movie, that's true. That's no, that's a true. Sad that's movie true. that's just like great fiction. You're like, man, right. that's really a sad, but that's fiction. This is sad because, and it's real. We can go it's find him as we speak. It's happening as we speak every day. And I think about every so day. many I think about so many educators that are passionate about what they do, and I can only imagine. Like I used to live for the third grade teacher, and how hard it would be for her to say. She was like, I just need my parents to get on board. I'm creating these action plans for the kids, but if when they leave my site, these things aren't going into play, how can they go forward? So I know that there, I've known so many, and our mother, so educators who are so passionate about their students. And I know it broke everything in Presbo with his mountain man look that he had now, but watching him drop this child off that had so much potential, that understood computers, that yeah, what I just, he was not ready for oh. high school and I wanted to try to save you. And I want to now say, I'm giving you $200, but just know that we'll never see each other again. To have to set yeah, that line up with him, I and, just- and to, and to know whew. that Duquan had, 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 had turned into his parents. You have to remember that, like his parents were strung out. His parents. And, and everything, like people were trying to save him from that. And at the end, he actually had no other option. He had no other option. And he just walks right into the den of, of drugs. Because even we could say, oh my goodness, get, you know, 
DHS, get, you know, get them to come and help him. He's a child. Okay, mm-hmm. listen to Randy. Mm-hmm. Randy's walking up the stairs, pushing people down now. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just, well, let there's me, just no way. Let me ask a question that's a little bit of a setup. And if I was a good sister, I might have thought of this earlier and, and, and threw it out. I'm just thinking of it now. But I'm thinking, like, how do we wrap our arc of recapping this show season by season? Um, and I'm like, I, I think it would be like really nice if we each did a closing takeaway of some sort, like from okay. the wire, like what is your closing takeaway when you think about like the five seasons of this show that we have experienced? Maybe we could just go around and like give a take a takeaway. Okay. You want to start with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm real quick. Uh, first of all, I, I think you said it a lot in this, uh, podcast that we did today, my biggest feeling of it is that this stuff just keeps going on. And even in the montage at the end, they showed it. They showed, okay, now these people are the kingpins. Okay, now this person is robbing people like Omar. Okay, now this person is a junkie like Bubs. And while you're watching this, you don't know how it's going to hash out. It might be that Dookie makes it all the way through and gets out like Bubs did. But we also saw that Bubs was the only one. And he's probably going to end up dead somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then we're just, you know, so it gives you a real feeling of futility, to be honest. Um, When you're talking about even wanting to be a person who can impact change, it makes you feel like it's futile. But um, because of that, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is if you see an opportunity that you can make a positive impact, make it. And that that's was my biggest, biggest takeaway. Because like, if you're able to be a Colvin and take in one of these kids, take them in, you know, or if you're, whatever you're able to do, if you're able to do this one little thing, look, the system is what it is. This, Excuse me, it just keeps churning. But if you can be, if you can do something positive for somebody, do it. Just do it. Just because to me, that's the only thing. Like, when you look at the tragedy of the show, the only positive parts where it's just like somebody did something for somebody, or you know, you just try to do the little bit that you can. And that's what I took from it. Mm, that's good. That's good. You want to go next, sis? I thought we were going to do like oldest, middle. Well, Janine's going to want to talk less. We all know that. Okay. So I can go okay. next. No, that's, I have my no, ready. That's, that's, that's fine. As a matter of fact, Janine, I, I want you to go last. Brittany, do you want Janine to go last? Because the reason why I want you to go last, this is why. Because it matters so much more. It matters to you. Thank you. I don't you like me less. I didn't think it did. But you don't think it does? I, 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 I don't think it does. Hey, well, I listen, I'm going to just take my decades of dealing with both y'all and put it in my pocket. But I, I know. Because I like to go first. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, <I'm> but, Aha. Aha. But in this situation. But I mean, I let you go first is what's really just happened. But, um. 
I didn't want to get into that, but uh, yeah. So my my <laughs> takeaway, my takeaway, because now I I now have to disagree with Aubrey. Um, so I'm gonna go. Imagine, um, imagine that you gotta Aubrey's disagree. Incorrect. That's why I just be by myself because I don't have time for neither one of them. Aubrey's incorrect. Much. Aubrey's incorrect. They do so that's the rule. So um, my you be takeaway, by yourself because you was born 14 years after everybody. <laughs> Late. That's what was we were supposed to do. <laughs> Listen, it's not my fault that mommy and daddy were like, uh, uh these other ones. We get one more chance, <laughs> one more chance to do something I, right. I, I, think, <laughs> I think my takeaway, and there, and and, and, and and you know, I'm gonna there. There are so many. I'm gonna name one that is probably, and I'm naming it intentionally because I feel like it's less obvious. Okay. And the takeaway I have is for people like me who are like, like my work is, is, is social justice work. That's what I do. And I just think. And have been doing. And have been doing. I think that we have to take care of ourselves. And I think we have to find a way to not get to the place of desperation in this work. And because when you are desperate and you start to do this work from a scarcity mindset, that is when you start inventing serial killers. And so I think we have to just rest. We have to focus on ourselves. We have to ha take care of our families. We have to make sure that we are working as hard as we can to help and support people. But I also think like, we can't, we can't let ourselves get broken by trying to fix things. And we can't, we can't get desperate for the fixing because at the end of the day, change happens slowly. And when it does change, it's because something ginormous has happened and something ginormous only happens when all of us are able to do our part. So I think for, for, for our people, and I, and I was, I'm just thinking about now, I'm not even, I'm not even, I think, what about the front lines folks? Who's the people who are out there protesting, you know, and like organizing the protests and taking care of the protesters, you know, there, so I'm just saying, do your part, but also take care of yourself so that you're here to do your part. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Man, I agree with the both of you. Those are amazing points. And um, the one thing that I would say, because I don't want to be redundant, um, is that I am grateful for our upbringing. Our family, watching this show made me really grateful for our past yep. and our path. Yeah. We're privileged. And I have been having to grapple with myself as I watch each episode and say, Brittany, what are you doing with your privilege? Because you are privileged. You might still have issues. You might, you know, because you're black and all these different things, but in the grand scheme of things, the opportunities that our family were given and we've said it so many times on the show had this child been raised in our family who could they have been multi-millionaire fortune 500 company you know just who could they have been um and so i think about that just how um i have to be very grateful for the circumstances um for the things that we have the way we've been raised it wasn't perfect. We weren't the best. Mm -hmm. You know, our parents did the best they could. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. 
but we never had to worry about meals. Our mother was instilling money from us. Our father was present. I mean, and it's not saying that we, again, had some perfect life, but to watch this and to know that literally that was probably happening around the corner from us when we were growing up, next door even, right? It just really has made me have a disposition, which is something that I will be transparent and say has been hard for me because there are often times I'm so, I feel like I'm so faced with the things that I don't have, mm. the things that I want. And then watching this show, I go, Brittany, you have so much. You have so much. Mm-hmm. And you were set up for greatness. Mm. So go be that. Mm. Because when you do your part and you walk in the greatness, if you don't, if you do it in humility, then there's someone else that can experience the, the love and concern and the, all these different things you can dispense at. And I will say our parents showed that often to us Mm. our parents showed us often love how to love people how to truly love on people so i will say that that was that was something that has been pivotal for me i know that's probably a little more personal than outward but that that's normally how i do things my my internal dialogue is ridiculous and so (laughs) that was just a bit of as i've been watching um the seasons what's been going through my mind that's good that's good. Wow. That was good. I, I'm, thank you all. I, I think that's a nice way to close out this. And, and just for our listeners, we thank you for bearing with us. We, we, we know that uh, five episodes on one show is a lot. And we're going to think about that for the future. We may or may not take on this kind of endeavor again. And if we do, we'll, dirt, we'll, we'll have takeaways from different. this experience and really make sure that we're like, uh, you know, really getting better and better and better every single episode. So with that, let us take our votes. For bro, bro and sis, does season five of The Wire get your newspaper? What say you? Bro? It gets my, obviously, gets my newspaper. <laughs> yeah, it definitely gets my newspaper. It absolutely gets my newspaper. But we also need to vote for the whole series. Mm, yeah, did you, well, well I, I think we could just, you know, did you guys like it? I, I know it was my suggestion and I begged for you guys to watch it. But now at the end of the, the Wire journey, you know, did you like it? Did, was it too heavy? You know what? I thought think? it was. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a great show. Right. I thought it was great. I thought the writing was great. I thought the acting was great. I thought the content was great. I thought the stories were great. And because of how well it was done, I could so conceptualize well. eight other seasons. Like I could see them doing the nonprofit sector. I could see them doing the churches. I could see them doing the, uh, the again, it's like those lawyers. Department of Human Services. They, be- they better not let Janai up in that HBO office. Listen. They better not. Because of how well they, got, they, they did it. Because those are some great ideas. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, that's how good it was. It was so good that it made me want to do that, to have that kind of examination Man, of truth through fiction, to just go on, go on through the rest of the safety net, the supposed safety net, and see what we're all up to. 
you know, because man, that if they did one on the nonprofit sector, that push and pull between funders and the way that the funders are ultimately just wealthy white people for the most part, and the fact that all of the uh, communities that are ultimately being served are generally people of color, there's so much complexity there that a wire season would have just been able to take that layer it in. You know what? You know what? I'm it would have been delicious. It would have been delicious. It would have been delicious like chocolate cake. I'm gonna stop you from talking because now I'm so frustrated that there's not a nonprofit yep. season and they a church done season. That. I'm just so mad now. I don't know <laughs> why they, they, they should have done a church season. They should have done a church season. You know, because they, they they got into that church part when that church did take some money, but we won't circle back. Yeah. So we're. <laughs> but I liked it. But I, I will say, it. yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it, and I was telling. Um, Denia. Now, it's something I would never recommend anyone to binge watch. That's dumb. Don't do that. It's heavy, it's heavy um, for a binge watch. But it's, it's not a good binge watch. Uh, however, I would say that... Unless I'm you like heavy binging. Right. Unless, yeah. unless, you, unless you like to be depressed at the night. Um, so... If crying and heartbreak is crime your thing... and drugs, murders every your, episode... This is your binge. You go yep. for it. Gotcha. Um, but I was telling Denia, and I might have said this to you too, bro, that I would have loved to see a Wire Miami, a Wire New York, a Wire. Oh, a okay, okay, different, different a major wire cities. LA. Same concept, all different the same major five cities. seasons, but just major cities. Exactly, a Wire That'd Chicago. That'd be a good idea too. Because, and and I also liked it because when you told us how you set up the stage that these were stories that were pulled from real life things that happened. I would love to see those real life stories come to life um, in other cities. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, so I, I appreciate how this show kind of was a skeleton. Mm -hmm. It could be dropped someplace else. Yep. And, I, and I'll say that really, you, if you want it, there's a lot more journey to go through. Um, there's a couple of clips they have, if you do uh, The Wire Origins, they have a couple of clips that show the beginning of Omar, the beginning of Prop Joe, you know, like the beginning of some of the major characters. And also I would Google what people The Wire was based on. Because when you start seeing how they look, because you can start looking at the stories from the real people and seeing what elements they took for the show and it gives the show a whole different dimension. Wow. So that, mm -hmm. so that's, you know, I in like your spare that. time, uh, I would definitely check those out. Like, 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 um, the, uh, the preacher, not the preacher, the deacon. The deacon. Yeah. I, did we talk about that? Yeah, he's a real, he was a real drunk kingpin. Uh, he, was, real, he was the inspiration for Avon. Exactly. And so, and then you, you will hear about the inspiration for Omar, and, which was a amalgamation, if I said that correctly, uh, uh, a bunch of people um, together. So, yeah, so I'm just saying there's other stuff you could look up yeah. and go down a YouTube hole. A um, wonderful hole. All right, so where are we going next? Down in the hole. Down in the hole. Well, I, so I was, you know, we were talking about how we absolutely have to go to the other extreme of excitement and happiness now. Down in the hole. Yes. Right, and I love how they brought the season Will one rendition back of that song. They had to, because just yes. like you said, just like you said, we so went good. 
through an epic journey and ended up in the exact same place. So they had yeah, we did. All right, so keep on. Keep um, uh, I I suggested that we do step um, Father the Bride one and two. I think that that is going it's, to be it so is, much it is, fun. It is actually the opposite of the wire. The, I, I, literally, I, it's all man. white people. It's no people of color except for BD Wong. The, big, the, big, the biggest tragedy is like discord <laughs> over event planning. Like exactly. that's the and, tragedy. And hot dogs. The, the count of hot dogs. I'm, and I'm hot dog buns. <laughs> see you're bringing up stuff already stop it's gonna be stop good. that's for the podcast so Brittany. So Brittany, that's for the podcast <laughs> look because if if we're being honest we could just do this review right now no, now we're not going right to now. we're, we're, not we're going, going to. to watch it as if we haven't watched it we're gonna watch it 37 fresh times fresh as, as kids but, a million times yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna watch it because we're professionals and also so we need a, also we need a pick me up. So after watching the wire for five seasons, so all right. So next so is so we go Father Bride one, one and two. Yep. Yep. Yes. And, and so also, this episode. Go ahead, and bro. I also, also want to give a little uh, teaser for this thing that my sisters didn't know about, but it's going to be happening because I'm the oldest, right? We're also going to do a hood movie series. Not all at once, <laughs> but I am bringing my sisters up to date. They're only 30 years late. It's not too bad. 30, 35 years late, but we're going to bring them we all. We get the gist. We get the gist. I know who Ricky is. I know that part. Okay. That's the... <laughs> and, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. So anyway, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. looking forward to I, that. I, I don't, I don't want to skip past. We're done, but you really don't know who Ricky is. Oh, of course I know. I mean, I'm like, am I, am I like under a rock? Okay, I don't even want to talk. First about of all, go, you let, will never right, disrespect my husband Morris. No, like listen, 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 listen. We, I, I can't. This, this, this is too much for me to take in. I need to go relax. So, but, but we're. <laughs> Was he with Bobby and Mike? Bobby Ricky? Not, yes. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, let me there a way that I could drop Janai off her own? There's no way. You can't. You okay, can't. Okay, okay. Again, middle child syndrome. This is my Zoom account. <laughs> all right, well, let me let you go. All right, we <laughs> love y'all. Thank you so much for doing Thank you so much for uh, tuning Listening, in. watching. We really love it. Thank you all. Bye, bro. Thanks, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, sisters. Bye. Thank you.